Down to the Nub Podcast, the cigar podcast show focusing on premium cigars and good times. With industry leaders, cigar giveaways, interviews, and more, here are your hosts, Cigar Show Tim and Brandon Cigar Mechanic Wells. Let's get it started. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Down to the Nub Podcast. This is episode number 10. We have hit the double digits. Double digits. How you doing, Brandon? Dude, I'm 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 excited, man. We're in episode 10. Like it's funny because we haven't been doing this long. It feels like you and I have been together forever on this show. Yep. And we've been doing it forever. And um, you know, the community's been so accepting. We were talking about it earlier today, and it feels like we've been here forever. And then I see episode 10. And it's like, wow, we are such rookies. <laughs> I know. When when we see others and they're, oh, we're on episode 85 and episode 126. And where are you guys at uh, ep- episode 10? But we've been into double digits. Right? We, 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 we haven't quit. We haven't been booed off stage. And we haven't given up yet. So we're going to keep pushing forward. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we're out there with our tens of listeners and it's awesome, man. It's exciting. Uh, it's, oh, it's yeah. inspirational and it is, it is kind of funny. You know, you're, you're kind of like, yeah, we're episode of Centen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, how was your birthday, man? It was good. It, uh, it was, it was nice. My wife spoiled me. I know we talked about it a little bit on the live, but it was great. She made some awesome, awesome shrimp tacos for dinner. And then I love my mom's cheesecake. Cause it's not like a thick, like sticky gooey new york style cheesecake it's nice and creamy and she just knocked it out of the park and so yeah she spoiled me the boy spoiled me and then we all went on vacation for like six days up to carpinteria california where my in-laws own a place and got to vacation together and so it's been a nice last like week week and a half of just sort of reconnecting with them and enjoying birthday and not having to work because i'm off which is wonderful and so it's been a really really good last week and a half getting a lot of stuff taken care of around the house just got some projects and things we want to work on for the future so it's been busy but it's been relaxing at the same time it's been like a good kind of busy it's been the kind of busy where you look back and you go you know what i'm glad i got those things done because they're they're off the punch list and and i can keep moving forward and it's it's like satisfying yeah yeah, it's one of those things you look back and you're just like, man, did I get anything done? Oh, I really did. And then you get excited about it because it does feel weird sometimes when you take that time off of work and you, you feel like, I what did I do with my life? And then you look yeah. back and you see all the punchless items and the honeydews you got done and it, and it feels good. Yep, exactly. How's you? How's you? How's your week been? How you been? It's been good, man. You know, it's been a very blessed week, man. And yep. I got to say, it's nice to see shops opening back up as we, you know, pull out of all this oh, COVID yeah. crap. And uh, it, it's nice to see opening up. It's nice to see orders coming in. Um, you know, I know the factories are struggling and pushing as hard as they can with limited staff right now to get, um, you know, product produced and get it up here to the U.S. But, uh, you know, I mean, that's, that's what drives my business. So it's, uh, it's been a very blessed week. It's been a week of setting some really cool, just daily goals, refreshing my business and, uh, achieving those goals every single day. Uh, today was actually a day that I did not even go out because I just ended up sitting in the office. And again, like I was doing the same thing, punch list items. Uh, one of the, one of the items that was on my list has been on there for over a year and a half. And it's been, it's been a requirement to have somebody else involved. And it finally came through today and got done. So I was That's like, awesome. I'm taking the day off and we're getting it done. That's awesome. 
yeah, so very, very blessed day. But I gotta tell you, man, like you know, a couple things. One, I'm looking back at our last episode. I actually went back and watched it, the live episode that we did on Sunday, and it was so inspirational and so exciting. And I loved having just our listeners on there. I don't oh, know yeah. that that's ever been done before. I don't know that either. And it was because I went back and watched it also. It was one of those things where I'm glad we because we talked before and it was like, hey, should we? This is what's going on. We had some challenges. But I'm glad we just at the end of the day just decided, you know, let's just push through and let's just see what happens and what happened and what came out of it was awesome. And the community just coming together and supporting each other. And, you know, Michael Wells launching his new, you know, cigar online shop and all these different things. It was just one of those things where I look back after and I go, man, God, thank you so much for having us push through, not knowing what was going to happen. But look at what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And it came through so well. And what a, I mean, dude, what a blessing to get to be there for Michael to feel comfortable enough with the show that, I mean, this is the first time he told anybody that he was doing this and announced the opening of his online business. So uh, what a blessing for that, man. And, and really cool because I know he's a big part of another group and it was just really neat to have him here and yep. release that with us and and share that with the group. So super exciting. Um, but I'm excited for what we've got today. Yeah, we've got a great guy today. Um I, super excited. I've known this guy. We were just talking before uh, we went on air here uh, about, I think we've known, I think we've known each other since like 2016. Uh, probably one of the funnest guys that I've spent time with uh, in the industry. I just love, I love all the time that I've been with them. Beautiful wife, uh, just an amazing, blessed uh, individual in the industry. Uh, and I tell you, like he invited me in the one year. It was my first year going to IPCPR and invited me and allowed me to be a part of the booth and help him sell product and worked the booth with him. And I got to tell you, that was a blast. And I got to know him and uh, his wife, Corinne, very, very well. Mm. And uh, man, I'd love to bring him on. This is, uh, we got Spencer from White Hat Distribution, uh, which uh, distributes HR cigars. And um, let's bring him on here. Let's get him, let's get him on here. Absolutely. How's it going, Spencer? It's well, man. Everything's good. How about you? I love just to relax. <laughs> Big old smile. I'm well. I'm relaxed. This is good. Oh, yeah. Nah, and everything's good. Thanks for having me, fellas. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. So uh, if you want to just quick intro on yourself, sort of, I mean, you've got a pretty diverse background with White Hat and all these different things. Sort of go through your role in the industry and, and what you do and, and touch on that so everybody can get familiar. So I was... Um, I was a consumer uh, that really liked cigars. I was kind of cultivated as a consumer by Skip Martin and a guy named Charlie Head uh, down in Galveston. Uh, they were my retailers at a place called Have a Cigar and got me from smoking a few cigars a month to a lot of cigars. Um, <laughs> to a few more. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a whole lot of cigars. Like I saved a bunch of money my first year in the industry. Um, yeah, so I was, uh, I was a consumer for maybe, I don't know. I think I started pretty hardcore in like 2004. I was smoking a little bit before that, but just, you know, kind of, I'd smoke a Rocky. That was about as, as good as it got for me. Um, like uh, Macanudos and stuff were, were, you know, occasional smokes. I was a cigarette smoker. Okay. And, um, so uh, I quit smoking cigarettes, but every time I would drink, I'd have a hard time not smoking a cigarette. So I went six months in 2004 without drinking, 
and uh, without smoking cigarettes. I could quit smoking cigarettes anytime I wanted to, but if I started drinking, it was an issue. And I know a lot of people have that same issue. Yep. And so uh, I was down in Galveston. My wife was in medical school at, at UTMB down in Galveston, the University of Texas Medical School branch. And um, I, w- I went to a bar for the first time in six months. And I went in there and like as soon as the beer touched my lips, I was looking for a cigarette. <laughs> so I'm like <laughs> looking around and I see this guy smoking a cigar. And I'm like, okay, I take cigar. So it'd be a good idea to smoke something else, and uh, not a cigarette. And I was like, "Hey, you know, where'd you get that?" And he's like, "Oh, there's a shop right down the street." And I didn't know about it. And I walked in there. We became fast friends. It was Charlie Head. He gave me a Carlos Tarano Virtuoso Crescendo. Wow. And uh, yeah, so so the Tarano family. You mentioned Jack earlier. Um, mm-hmm. Jack, yep. Jack Jack's family uh, yep. was really the first kind of. Um, uh, I say boutique almost at the time, really. In 2004, yeah. Tarano was pretty boutique-y. Yep. Um, and they had some really, really good quality product. I smoked through a lot of their stuff afterwards. But um, that was kind of my first entry into boutique cigars. I like I, I'd smoked some Rocky stuff, like the Vintage 1991. I really liked that cigar a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'd smoked Macanudos and stuff like that, and I enjoyed those too. Okay. And then um, – Some real uh, boutique stuff. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, hey, my first, I think my first beer was Miller Lite. So, you know what I mean? It's not. So you can only go up from there. Yeah. I mean, it's not, you know, it is what it is. It's not, I mean, people trash a lot of the big brands, but, you know, most of the cigars that are out these days, relative to like how it was in the 90s, and uh, we're, we're blessed to be able to smoke as much good product as there is in the market. I still lean towards more of the boutique stuff myself. Uh, but that's cause part of it too, is that, you know, I've got so many friends in the industry and I want to smoke their stuff. I want to see how it is. I want to give them feedback. I want to bust their balls, you know, like, um, <laughs> but no, so I, I, I got to where I was smoking a lot of cigars. I had a mortgage company at the time. And then there was this mortgage crash that happened. Y'all might be aware of in 2008. And yeah. so, I was lucky enough to have sold my portion of the company uh, the year prior to that, like six months prior to the crash, really. Oh, nice. And had a couple year non-compete, so I couldn't get back in the industry in the same kind of capacity. And it really wasn't a great climate to get back in, or at least I didn't think it was at the time. So um, I'm going to keep this lit because I don't have a lighter. <laughs> I get to talking. And I can't keep my cigar lit. Yeah, before we went on this, you were actually trying to light that with a barbecue lighter. I still got it, it, that barbecue and a, and an inoperative barbecue. Look at that little flame. You see that flame? <laughs> you couldn't even light a birthday cake candle with that thing. I lit the cigar with it, bro. Wow! <laughs> it was it was a fight, man. It was a fight. I was on the uh, in the backstage. I was hoping y'all are watching me. Just it's like a monkey humping a doorknob. I did. Um, I, I did see that. Yep. Yeah, it was, it was tough. So. Um, Anyway, uh, I, I, I just, I, 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 I'm a, I think like a lot of people in the cigar world, really, a lot of people that are into cigars, we're people that are somewhat obsessive. And we've been obsessive about other things, too. Like, you find a lot of AA guys in cigars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got that obsessive personality, and they found an outlet that isn't really bad for them. And uh, they drink shitloads of coffee 
Um, and, <laughs> yeah, and they, caffeine and is smoke, caffeine is the new high for them. Absolutely. Yeah, and they smoke a lot of cigars. And yep. um, so, I'm somebody that kind of dives into things, and I just dove really headfirst into cigars and wanted to learn as much as I could. And I was blessed in that. Uh, Skip Skip loves to share knowledge. Skip um, knew a lot back then. Obviously, not to the level he knows now, but a sure. lot more than I did. So, um, it was really neat, man. I got to go down to Camp Camacho. I got to, um, you know, do my first kind of um, cigar-related tour. And uh, so we went to Honduras, down to Don Lee, and got to mm-hmm. hang out with Christian back when you know Christian was running Camacho. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Julio and, and that bunch. And then, um, I went to Cuba like two months later. I mean, I, I came back and a buddy of mine was like, Oh, you went to Honduras, you know? And he was kind of jealous when I'm telling him how great the trip was. And he's like, all right, we're going to Cuba. And I'm like, you plan it, dude. And I'll go. Yep. And I'm like, sure enough, like a week later, he's like, we're going. And so we, we ended up going like two months after I had been to Honduras, we went to Cuba, went to Havana didn't ever go down to Pinard del Rio. Didn't, I mean, I knew the Robina name. I knew who Alejandro was. I had mm-hmm. read an article, I think an aficionado about Hirochi, mm-hmm. but I really didn't know a lot about them. I was more, you know, I was down there just to kind of experience the culture and had an incredible, it was um, the guy I went with is the guy that kind of walks through doors. He's not supposed to. And, <laughs> um, and he, he's just that guy. So you just follow him everywhere, you know? And so <laughs> we go, pretend to the you Partagas, look like you know what you're doing, right? We go to the Partagas factory and, you know, as you, as you go into the Partagas factory to the right is the retail store, um, like right off of the square in Havana, right next to the Capitol. And, um, when you go into the retail store, there's a door that says like VIP room. Soon as we walk in there, he goes straight for the VIP room. So I just follow him in there. <laughs> and we met and we had been there, I want to say like a day and a half. And we met some, uh, some, our first set of Americans. And, uh, one of the guys was a guy out of uh, North Carolina. He was a, a Cuban cigar importer, I guess a smuggler and, but bought a lot of Cuban cigars, obviously. So we made fast friends with this guy and his buddies and then the guy that managed the store at the time was a guy named Abel, and uh, he's still around. He's got a restaurant in, in Havana now, uh, Abel Esposito. He also has a cigar. Um, I think it's called Esposito um, okay. that, uh, okay. that, a, that a friend of ours distributes for him. But anyway, he was running the deal, and all of a sudden he thought we were buddies with this guy. So he started like giving us free like limited edition stuff to smoke. It was pretty cool. <laughs> and then, uh, and then we, <laughs> right, and then we stormed the Capitol, and uh, we went to the Capitol, and uh, you know they've got the velvet ropes roping off all the places you're not supposed to go. And you walked right underneath the velvet rope and just kept going, right? Yeah, we just walked into some spots we weren't supposed to go, <laughs> and then um, the security guard like sees us from like uh, probably 30, 40 yards away. And he's just, he's running at us like there's going to be an incident, you know, <laughs> and screaming at the top of his lungs. And I'm like, I'm, I'm tripping a little bit like, oh, this is, this is going to be a scene. You know, I'm in Cuba. This is, you know, we're not allowed to be here. 
<laughs> and yeah, you um, start shit with the U.S. Yeah, I was I was like, man, like this guy's coming at us hard, you know. And and my yeah. buddy, my buddy's just like cool as a cucumber, and he's like a he's like a con man basically. He can get away with anything. And <laughs> uh, and the guy the guy comes up. We don't speak any English. What's up, baby? Scissors over here. Yeah, no scissors over here. But thank you for interrupting my interview. You're beautiful. Um, <laughs> I so, love it. Yeah. So, oh, that's great. <laughs> so, uh, the, that? that's Misha. That's my daughter. And oh. um, she doesn't smoke that much yet, but she will. She, she can only handle like half a cigar and she starts puking. So she'll be tough for a sip. <laughs> she'll get there. Um, yeah, she's only seven. Um, <laughs> so uh anyway the security guard gets to us and my buddy pulls out a 20 dollar bill and the guy i mean he looks at it like it's a brick of gold and instead of like kicking us out or anything he takes us on a tour and so we got this <laughs> here's behind. the keys to the kingdom yeah we got this 20 bucks is 20 bucks is real guys you're here to oh, write yeah. <laughs> grease so that I palm you the, get anywhere I got to sit at Castro's desk um, in the Capitol and get what? pictures taken. That was pretty. It was pretty incredible. That's awesome. Yeah. So I did the trip to Cuba. I'd done the trip to Honduras, and I just was really getting more and more into it. I was smoking a lot of Cuban cigars, but mainly um, smoking a lot of Camacho at the time, a lot of Cao at the time, a lot, a lot of Tarano. Now the um, old Camacho before Davidoff. Yeah, yeah, correct. Those were so good back then, man. When when yeah. when Christian was doing uh, Camacho, holy! I still have like four or five of the original triple Maduros from him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we a smoked a lot of the diplomas, and then there was this thing called the Scorpion that he made for a couple of shops. And uh, one of the shops that he gave it to was the shop down in Galveston, the Skip Shop, because we we. We were a really Camacho kind of centric um, lounge. We smoked a lot of that stuff and kind of went through all of it. They would just launched yeah. the 10th anniversary uh, when we went down. And that was a really good cigar. It didn't, didn't do too terribly well. I think they pulled it from the market. The wrapper leaf was real brittle. It was a hard cigar to keep in good, good shape. It'd pop a lot. And, right. But the flavors were incredible. It's just, it was the wrapper leaf was kind of too delicate for, mm. for, uh, for the blend and uh, for the, um, but anyway, uh, I, I just kind of got deeper and deeper into it and then started doing some things I really didn't want to do. I was doing residential real estate because of my non-compete on the mortgage side. I had a bunch of contacts and so I was doing that, but I really didn't like it. So I decided to do something I wanted to do. I was going to open a cigar store and so I decided to tour a bunch of stores and Man, I came across a cigar on the way home. I toured maybe almost 100 shops. I forget exactly how wow. many it was, but it was a bunch. I'd driven as far north as Chicago, as far east as uh, like in Indianapolis, wow. um, and as far west as, um, as Colorado. And um, I'd seen a bunch of shops and had a pretty good handle on what I wanted to do myself. And... Um, I came across a San Latano Habano in Dallas. And at the time, that cigar was like nowhere in Texas. I, I looked online to see where I could get it, you know, for my store. And just to start kind of making that contact because I really enjoyed the cigar a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, 
I uh, saw there was like two retailers in all of Texas and there was like 70 in California, I think at the time, maybe 40 in Florida. So I just contacted them and said, Hey, you know, I know a bunch of cigar shop owners in Houston. Um, if you'd like me to sell your product for me, uh, for you, here's my resume. And they called 45 minutes later and flew somebody to, uh, from Miami to Houston to meet me the next day. And I ended up being the first in-house rep hired by AJ Fernandez in 2011. Wow. And then uh, by 2013, I took their national sales manager's job uh, and was living half-time in Miami and half-time in Houston. And, uh, and then I would say half-time, I was traveling a bunch too. But mm-hmm. um, And so that was a really great opportunity to kind of spread my wings a little bit and meet some of the uh, important retailers and partners around the country. Um, And so then I took that and kind of leveraged that into another opportunity to launch um, another cigar brand that happened to have a a partnership with Hirochi Robina. Mm. And, And so we launched the HR product in 2014. And uh, I really got to know Hirochi really well. And the relationship with that company uh, dissolved um, and kind of did for everybody. Hirochi left. The factory left. We all kind of left. I I left a month before everybody else and everybody else left. And then we just kind of reconvened and decided we wanted to work together again. And it took a little bit of maneuvering uh, because I was launching another company. (laughs) <laughs> at the time, uh, called Cornelius and Anthony, mm-hmm. and um, so I got the opportunity to to kind of start my own thing with Hirochi, um, and so I did that in January of 2016, and uh, and started White Hat Tobacco or White Hat Distribution, and then um, as of last year, we rebranded as La Familia Robina just to try to create. Um, uh, a cleaner kind of concise message as to yeah. who we are, um, where there's less confusion about, okay, how's white hat relate to Robina. And so we just kind of put the moniker La Familia Robina up there and, uh, same company, everything's the same. It's just for a consistent message sort of thing. Sure. Uh, yeah. we, we call it La Familia Robina now. And, um, you know, we started in 2016. We launched. Uh, we uh, when I walked into it, we already had the signature blend made, which is the kind of brown maroonish label. Um, that that was a, a quite expensive cigar for a while, and then I, I lowered the price two years ago by 35 percent to make it more competitive in the marketplace as a somewhat unknown brand. It's kind of hard to sell a cigar, regardless of how, uh, how good it is. Mm-hmm, at certain right. price points, unless you're just willing to you know, wait it out and let let those who know know sort of thing kind of find it and realize what a good cigar it is. And that even though it was, you know, higher priced, it was really, really good cigar. No, but that's our a- sales have gone up dramatically since I reduced the price. So. It's amazing oh, how that works. Yeah. yeah. And that, that cigar right there is like, that's the one that got me introduced into the HR line. Yeah. And that was in the Corona size. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's why okay. every time I see you, I'm like, dude, do you have a Corona? Do you have a Corona? Yeah. <laughs> you and your Coronas. Oh, yeah. We dude. smoked through a lot of those. Oh, man. Those things are those things are so freaking good. And that little, and that little Corona size, dude, that thing is just, that thing is amazing, man. That's a very, very mm-hmm. good cigar. Well, what are you smoking right now, Brandon? We haven't yeah. covered what we're all smoking. 
Uh, I'm smoking the uh, HR Claro, the white label. Nice. I'm, trying to, I'm not going to do the whole hand up against the freaking thing, but I'm smoking the HR Claro. Yeah. <laughs> Here, I don't I'll have do a band, so it doesn't matter. There, there you go. I cover nice. your face. Oh, that's what. So you're covering your face. Yeah, you got to cover your whole face because that's what the cameras are looking for. And then yeah. the band sometimes comes into focus. Yours is an issue. <laughs> what are you smoking yeah. from? Uh, I am smoking uh, from Martina Cigars. They're out of New York. I'm smoking the Passion. Oh, I've never had it before. Yeah, they're a smaller boutique line out of New York that uh, we've become friends with pretty recently. And uh, I hadn't yeah. tried this one yet, so I figured I'd light it up. And I'm really enjoying it. It's it's good. They, uh, they've got, I think, five or six different cigars in their line. Uh, and like I said, they're a smaller boutique brand out of New York. Who's and, my third uh, in New York? No. Yeah, oh, they're, they're rolled in New York. Oh, they are? Really? So you yeah. get Nicaraguan tobacco? Uh, yes. Yeah, it's, well, it's Nicaraguan and, and Honduran, right? It's, it's some Dominican too, yeah. They've they've got a, they've yeah. got blended tobaccos up there, but they manufacture everything right there in New York. Yeah, they've got uh, the rollers small. there in the shop and everything. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think it's in the basement of their shop. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really cool though the setup and how they've got it all done and what they're doing and it, it's continuing the family heritage um, that Jesus, um, his father started and, and you know they're sticking to it and so we've uh, we've talked with them quite a bit recently and. I saw this and I thought, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna smoke it. So I am. What are you cool. smoking, Spence? I'm smoking a private label that we do for a store out of Pennsylvania. Uh, it's called Smoke Manayank is the name of the store. Uh, but this is Costa. <laughs> yeah, it's Costa. It's it's a cigar we make for Costa called the uh, Echo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I smoke a lot of those. I smoke. Mainly, I smoke out of, out of my own line right now. It, it varies from time to time, but I, I smoke a lot of Legal, um, all three of the blends, mainly the Connecticut and the Habano, though. I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a huge Maduro guy. I'll go through phases where I smoke Maduro a lot, but mm -hmm. for the most part, if I were to kind of like measure over the course of the last five years what I smoke the most of, it's, it's predominantly Habano. Yeah. Um, just across all different sorts of lines. I'm, I just really enjoy a good kind of medium to medium full Habano mm -hmm. blend. Um, yep. Regardless of origin too. Like, I mean, I like sure. some Dominican stuff a lot. I'm really not strangely enough, considering how big a Camacho guy I was, I'm not a big Honduran guy. Mm. Um, okay. I, I like, I like a couple of brands out of there a lot. I like the Aladino stuff, the stuff JRE's doing a lot. Um, That's getting a ton of attention lately. It's just good, man. It's just really, yeah. they do a good job. It's super consistent. The Corojo blend is, it reminds me of old Camacho stuff. I think that's part of what draws me to it so much. Nice. Yeah. Um, more so than Christian stuff. And I like a lot of his stuff too. Some of the Arroyo stuff I think is, um, like the twentieth, I think is a great cigar. Yeah, um, but um, but just that particular blend, the Corojo Aladino, I think is just like it just reminds me so much of like my early days of smoking, and I think there's some something to that. And then uh, Oscar, Oscar's doing a bunch of cool shit too. Yeah, um, but but for the most part, I, I, I lean pretty heavily Nicaraguan. I think that kind of happens when you smoke a lot of Nicaraguan, just because the flavors are so. Um, they're just a, a, more intense and kind of more in your face. And mm -hmm. 
So you just, but at the same time, like I'll smoke, um, like I'll smoke some of the stuff by Casa Cuevas. Um, and it just, it's totally different uh, yeah. than what I'm used to smoking, but I enjoy it a lot. I, I like pretty much everything I've touched by them. I've liked, I've liked some of Hochi stuff a lot too, mm. uh, out of the DR, um, bunch of stuff, man. I smoke all, I smoke all over the, all, all over the, the, the map really. But, but, um, nice. Well, it's, I, it's I, funny. It's funny because the the you you mentioned Casa Cuevas, and that was the factory that did uh, that rolled all the Torano stuff when they got started in the beginning. Yeah, right, mm -hmm. right. So there's there's that relationship, and it's funny you you see like the more I talk with people in the industry, the more you see the relationship between everybody. Yeah, and, you know it's funny because you you knew the Toranos back then, and you know you smoked yeah. a lot of their stuff, and they were done out of the Cuevas factory. Now you're smoking the Cuevas family stuff, and enjoying that. And you know it's it's just neat. Yeah, to and then, see and then you even that Tarano that Tarano lineage is pretty pretty interesting. I mean, there's like you know that's yeah. where Esteban Disla came from. That's where Raúl Disla came from. So, yep. you know, you got guys that are making cigars now that have hit it big. You know, I mean, some Osaka stuff's doing really well and really good blends, and Raúl mm -hmm. Disla's kind of in charge of those. And then Esteban, obviously, with all the stuff that Skip's doing. Mm -hmm. um, Yep. Yeah, it is kind of interesting following the lineage of, of where people came from, who they learned from, and um, and some of the stuff that I enjoyed back then, I enjoy now under kind of different, w w same people involved, but different right. different brands, different tobaccos, and yep, um, yeah, it's a it's a really you know it's an amazing industry. I guess everybody that watches this podcast is probably to some extent involved, or you know whether it's like just a consumer that's avid or Mm -hmm. um, you know, other manufacturers or retailers or whatever. So we're all in this, in this little world, but it's like the six degrees of, uh, with Kevin Bacon or six degrees <laughs> of, of <Esteban laughs> you know, everybody, everybody is some, at some point one or another has worked for somebody or, yep. you know, related connected. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Now tell me about tell me about the HR Claro because that's what I'm smoking right now. And this this one that I'm smoking right now, actually, I think you gave me back in 2017, and it's been sitting in my humidor. Um, and I've actually been dry boxing this one a little bit. It's man, this thing's smoking beautifully. I've, I've had this thing, I think, at like 60 percent for the last couple months. Yeah. No. Um. So in 2016, when I started it, we had the signature blend uh, already made, and so. I wanted uh, to get some stuff to market that was uh, not quite as high priced for one thing, just to hit sort of that wheelhouse of, of the everyday consumer, you know, what, what, mm -hmm. what people kind of considered the wheelhouse. And I don't know how accurate it is, but when, you know, premium cigar stores, if you're between that seven and $10 range, no offense, yeah. California. Um, yeah. yeah, if you're yeah. between ten and fourteen <laughs> in right, California, right. Exactly. between, between forty five and ninety dollars for California, or <laughs> yeah. you know eight to twelve for the rest of us. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I wanted to get something in that price range, <laughs> and to be honest, you know, as a nerd, I wanted to put my put my fingerprints on something a little bit. So, Hirochi, Hirochi, and I, um, and and Omar Gonzalez Alaman, who's the the brains of the whole operation and really the guy behind uh, all of our blends. Um, right. We, just, we, we worked on it and worked on it and we came up with two different blends, the Claro and then the blue. Oh, and blue. Uh, 
mm. and price that price that at, at a more more kind of competitive price point um again seven seven to eleven bucks uh between those two lines when we launched them and uh did incredibly well with them the claro blend is a one where we don't disclose the filler for no good reason except for at the time really um the just because blender, yeah no the blender it's like these cubans man it, it cracks me up like they <laughs> they're they they're like so secretive when they get something they think is really good they're like secretive about it but i try to explain to them and they don't need any explaining but because they know a lot more than i do and, and especially back then but you could hand the same raw tobacco to three different people and say you're going to make this blend with you know x percentage of this and x percentage or y percentage of that and right if if you put all three of those people in charge of all the pre-industry processing and fermentation and everything the blends are going to end up very very different um, oh yeah correct more often than not just because everybody's got their own little ways of doing things and that's one of the kind of beautiful intricacies of the industry is that you can take the same tobacco the exact same blend and it's gonna be really hard to produce the same cigar the way your rollers roll the cigar though you know the pre-industry processes on the tobacco are all gonna have influence over the flavors and all mm -hmm. and, and and uh so but he really just didn't want to disclose the blend and we thought it was kind of funny you know since we've got this cuban attachment that nobody else really has to the level we do I mean, meaning Hirochi's on the farm that his family has owned, and they still own the farm, which mm. in and of itself is is neat to say the least, right? It's the only only farm in Cuba that's that's uh, only tobacco farm in Cuba that's owned by uh, an individual. Yeah, and so just by not disclosing blends, and that particular blend is one that. I mean, for lack of a better term, is very Cubanesque. Yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah. meant to be that kind of toasty, slightly mm -hmm. floral, medium-bodied, tons and tons of like nuanced flavor, but not really in your face. It's not a typical. That cigar to me is more of a Cuban or Dominican type of blend than yeah. it is the Nicaraguan blend. It's more nuanced. It's more subtle. It's hard to make subtle cigars out of Nicaragua. I mean, you like Nicaraguan tobacco. Yeah. And this one for me, like you really have to like when I, when I'm just blowing the smoke out of my mouth, I'm not getting as much as when I retro hell, you really get that floral note. Right. Right. I mean, no, that but, floral note, you, you don't get it as much out of the mouth as you do. I mean, it's just so pronounced through the nose. It's, it's very unique. Barbecue. <laughs> Time for some burgers. <laughs> okay, y'all talk. Y'all talk amongst yourselves for five minutes. I'll get this done. There we go. Well, and I think it's cool because uh, La Familia Robina has partnered with different lounges and done different things. And you were alluding to that earlier, Spence, uh, talking about you know some you know special blends for this shop or for that shop. But uh, Robinia has even gotten to the point, like, for example, with Fox Cigars, you know, they've done some special releases and some partnerships and things like that. Um, you know, and I know that uh, Vic Evans, High Desert Man, you know, yeah. is really, you know, into it and did his own, you know, box kind of, you know, 
pack deal kind of thing right. with it. But it's it's cool that that Robinho does those kinds of things that that are specific to a shop so they can have their own, you know, limited kind of not release, but, you know, limited package that's theirs and it's an exclusive for them. And that you, you don't focus on just the consumers at large and go through that, but you do make it personal and you will partner with people that, you know, uh, you want to partner with to put something out that is, that is unique as opposed to just producing a bunch of cigars and going, this is what it is. And hopefully you buy them. Yeah, no, well, I mean, we had we'd started doing some business with uh, with Mitchell Fox and Fox Cigars, and things were going like pretty pretty swimmingly uh, out of the gate. And uh, we had talked about doing some sort of private label for him, mm-hmm. and um, we had we had this cigar. And honestly, I wasn't even really I didn't know Mitchell's like smoking preferences, what he really liked. He was always kind of uh, <laughs> the guy behind the guy for the most part with me. Um, I'd known him for several years, but never really had the opportunity to like be a friend and get to know him uh, on that level. He always was somewhat aloof. You know, he didn't, he didn't want to, uh, you know, he had Cliff Cohen there for a while and he had Drew after that. And, and, um, and then uh, Kyle was there at one point too. Um, that's now over at um, Primo Pure. or whatever. Puro, yeah, Puro. Yeah. And um, so I knew all those guys really well, mm-hmm. but I didn't really know Mitchell all that well. And then as I got to know Mitchell better and we started kind of talking about Cuba and we had some mutual um, interest there, he had been down there before with Sam, with his partner. And uh, so they, they decided they wanted to do a Cuba trip. And I was coming in, kind of finalizing the details on that. And... Um, I brought some of these cigars. The factory had made these cigars in 2014. They were going to be released in mm. 2015 as the 170th anniversary of the Robinas growing tobacco wow. in Cuba. So if you see any of our boxes, you'll see the 1845 on there. And that's how long they've been growing tobacco on that same piece of land in Pernardo Rio or in San Luis Valley in, in Cuba. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Mitchell had been down there, man. It's, it's it was really a trip. But um, he he went down there, uh, met Alejandro, and all that stuff. He was one of the guys that had gone down there. And and you hear more and more stories about that stuff as I travel the country and talk to people. They're oh yeah, I met Alejandro in 07, 08, whatever. Mm-hmm. Kind of cool. But um, I brought some of these cigars. First of all, the factory gave me the cigar when I started the business in 2016 and mm. gave me one to smoke and I smoked it. It's really, really good. And they're like, awesome. You know, we want to release it. It's going to be called Alejo, which is the nickname for Alejandro. And I was like, okay. And they're like, yeah, we want to sell it like, you know, 30, $35 a cigar. And I was Jeez. like, okay. Um, <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> it's and at the time, all of our HR stuff was anywhere between nineteen and thirty-five dollars. We had the A's out that were thirty-five dollars a piece, and then the Hermoso, yeah. which was the smallest cigar. We hadn't released the Corona yet at that point. Was uh, you know, the Hermoso was nineteen bucks, and so I would. I told him, I said, "Man, I don't think I can sell this cigar for near that much." And they're like, "Well, what do you think you can sell it for?" And I'm like, "Man." maybe 15 bucks. And they're mm-hmm. like, what? Like this has been 
aging. This has got our best tobacco. And I said, yeah, but it's a 60 ring gauge. And they're like, <laughs> it's not a 60. It's a 58. And I'm like, yeah, it's a 60. <laughs> Yeah. Same okay. shit, man. 58, 60, <laughs> whatever. It's big. And the guy that I know <laughs> in stores, and this is this is, you know, maybe uh changing, maybe I don't I'm not really sure the marketplace probably as well as is guys like you are, but um the guy that smokes sixties for the most part is trying to stay under like eleven bucks, ten bucks, and he's a value right. smoker. This mm-hmm, blend mm-hmm. was not your average 60 blend. It was, or 58 blend. It was a very, <laughs> very complex blend. It took the available space in a six or a 58 ring gauge and utilized that additional space to create additional complexity. It wasn't a washed out 60 where they stuffed a bunch of stuff in it that they mm-hmm. weren't going to use otherwise or maybe a whole lot of Seiko to make sure it burns right. This stuff was, um, this was the best tobacco they had. So it was a, it was a quite expensive stick to make in terms mm-hmm. of the volume of good tobacco utilized. And I just didn't really have a place for it. Um, just cause I didn't think there was, there was really a market for it. Um, right. at that size. Sure. And then I brought it to Mitchell years later and it had been sitting for all that time in the Escaparate mm. in Nicaragua. And I, I was smoking them every time I was down there. And Brandon knows, like, he's never seen me smoke anything probably larger than a 50. I don't no. smoke large cigars. I smoke mm-hmm. mainly Coronas um, and a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and But I would go to this cigar. Every time I got to Nicaragua, I'd go to the cigar and i always grab a bundle of them because they had, like, that that yellowed uh, shrink wrap on them because they had so much age on them. Nice. And, uh, and they would, they would always be dusty, like pluming and just an in incredible condition. So anyway, I brought one, I had several of them, maybe like four or five of them. And, um, Mitchell asked me, he's like, you got anything weird to smoke? And I was like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. And I was like, Oh shit. Yeah, actually I do. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I gave him that and like, 30 minutes later, he was like, what is this? And I was like, well, it's a blend that we did for this anniversary. He's like, well, what's in it? And I was like, I can't really Tobacco. say, I can't really say what's in it. Um, <laughs> well, at the time it's because I didn't know what was in it at all. Like I really didn't know. <laughs> can't say cause I truly can't it's say. Right. And, um, yeah. So anyway, Mitchell was like, man, how many do you have of them? And I said, I think I got like 20, 25,000 of them. He's like, I'll take all of them. And I was like, okay. So that's how we started the first project. And, and it was the cigar that I was so proud of um, in terms of the blend itself. And this is the Alejo. We made two different private or two different exclusives for them. Mm-hmm. And the other one's the Eagle. Um, which is just the signature blend uh, with a bunch of age on it in a in a in a specific format, like a Figurato format. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but that cigar, that Alejo cigar, is is really a. It's just a very different cigar. I I, I challenge people that are uncomfortable smoking cigars that large to smoke that cigar because it's and, and and it's one of those that I I want you to smoke as slow as you can. 
I want you to be concentrating on it because it's something that you'll 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 really really enjoy if you if you take your time with it. Mm -hmm. Does he still have some? Do you know? See the strong stuff we make. Um, I really don't know. I think he's probably got a little bit left. He's gone okay. through the majority of the first run. We'll make another run um, probably by like COVID's changed a few things, but probably by the end of the year we'll have another run. Okay. I mean, we don't have to make them. You know what I mean? We just throw bands on them now and box them up and bring them in. So they've been sitting there. But I think he went through ten thousand on his first run, and um, wow. and almost done with those. Wow. That's beautiful, man. Yeah, it's always nice when you can find an old cigar like that that's just been kind of kicking around a project and somebody picks it up and just falls in love with it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just one of one of those cool things about the industry is you go down to some of these factories and you find this stuff that's been sitting in the back for, you know, even if it's been an overrun of something they produce for somebody else that's yeah. no longer in business and they got 10, 20,000 of them kicking around and maybe pick that thing up and smoke and you're like, holy shit, what is this thing? Right. Yeah. Uh, it's, as long as the tobacco, as long as the tobacco, you know, this is something that that uh, Skip taught me pretty early on was that if if your tobacco is young, then it doesn't matter how long you age the cigar. If you have young tobacco that hasn't been fermented properly, you can sit that thing in your humidor for five years and you pick it up, and it's still a young cigar because it wasn't fermented properly. And right. with with Certain blends where the tobacco is properly fermented and maybe the blend didn't work right off the table and you make a whole bunch of it and then whoever you make it for comes in and smokes it, you know, after you've made a bunch of it and they go, eh, it's sitting really, let's tweak it, let's change the blend around and then all of a sudden you got, you know, a couple thousand cigars or however many it is uh, sitting there. Mm -hmm. Well, some of those blends with, you know, another year or two years something that you didn't yeah. particularly love um, right off the table is all of a sudden a really, really good cigar when the tobacco sits down. And so yeah. I'm not saying that was the case with that particular blend, but I've run across other stuff before um, at bigger factories that do more out, uh, do more like private label stuff than we really do. Cause we don't do a lot of it. I mean, we make some stuff for Sereno um, we make some stuff for Costa and them. We make some stuff for, you know, a, a fair amount of people, but not not near like what some of the big guys do in terms of private label stuff. But at some of those big yeah, factories, you guys, the, you guys do the Royale Double X Maduro, right? Correct. That's that a great cigar. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's a very good cigar, and I I know that that that's one that comes out of yours, and it's and that one's actually another one that's pretty similar to the to the signature. Yeah, no, I mean, like, so we use a lot of the same uh, tobaccos across a lot of our blends uh, because mm -hmm. we are yeah. in control of um, our own tobacco uh, from seed to cigar for pretty much all our Esteli and all our Jalapa, everything, mm. and, and then our Ecuadorian wrapper as well. But everything else okay. that we use, which initially we weren't utilizing a lot of tobacco outside of Esteli and Jalapa, you know, on the initial mm. blend. Like that signature blend is Esteli, Jalapa, and Pennsylvania Broadleaf. Mm. And that was, the only, that was the only secret in that blend was the Pennsylvania Broadleaf that nobody really knew about. And I knew there was something else to that blend. Look at that thing. It's just fighting me. 
Uh, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna win now. We're gonna win. But um, but yeah, that 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 blend the 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 double X Maduro Royale is it Royale double X Maduro? So what it is? Yeah, that blend is a really really good blend that sat down incredibly well, and that blend yeah. was made. That blend was probably put together between Tony and Omar, and like before I came on. Before I was partners with Omar, it was made in 2014, 2004. I think it was 2014 that cigar was made. Well, and it's yeah. a great cigar. It's it's well balanced. It, I mean, it smokes incredibly, but it's it's balanced. The flavors, the experience with it, I've had it on multiple occasions, and uh, I mean, it, it's one of those that when people say, "Oh, what's a what's a good Maduro?" and they go, "Oh, well, maybe you're going to go to this one. You're going to go to that one." You know, the the Royal Double X Maduro is one of those that I mentioned that is is a top Maduro for me because of the total experience, because of the blend, because of the flavors, because you can pay attention to it and it does transition well in the thirds yeah. and you do get a full experience out of that. Uh, and and I absolutely love that cigar. Yeah, and that that's one that's fun to actually take and sit down. And, and it's smoke. not a it's not an overly strong cigar. No. No, it's it's not overly strong. It's like I a medium, with medium the, plus, but there's just so much flavor in it. Yeah, and I sat down with uh, Paul Booza of uh, Big Sticks one time, and we and uh, you know Brandon Wallace over there and Paul Booza, and we sat down there and uh, smoked the uh, HR signature alongside with that double X Maduro, and it was really cool to to get. You're seeing the similarities, but you can also see the differences in them, and to, to kind of compare the two. And um, and and get and take those notes on the differences between the two because they are very similar. Yeah, the filler and, the filler leaf in both of those cigars is really pretty similar. Um, the wrapper leaf is different. Yeah, um, but but it's a it's a great blend. It's it's one that I smoke when I'm down there every time. Um, and then I'm always excited to to taste the stuff that Carson's doing down there with Omar because it's been so different than anything else that we've done. Uh, yeah. When I smoked the Wayfarer for the first time, I was mm. super, super impressed with that. And then the Taino. The Taino. I think the Taino is phenomenal. Yeah, Carson's got a really good palate. And uh, and Omar and him are, are working some really cool blends together. So I've always – and and those those things, they do a lot of smaller format stuff too, which I like, the yeah. kind of Corona Gorda sort of sizes, and, mm -hmm. um, which I always – I always lean to, especially when I want to yeah. try a new blend, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and I've had the Taino and the Wayfair and both of those and the, the Taino, the flavors that you get off of that are unique to the Taino. I mean, one friend that, that Brandon and I both know says that it's sort of like a, a French, a cinnamon French toast kind of a stick because there is a, a very prominent cinnamon flavor to it with some yeah. breadiness, but it's very smooth. And people hear cinnamon, they go, oh, well, is it like a pungent spicy cinnamon? And it's not. It's a very yeah. mellow, smooth cinnamon like, yeah, breadiness to baking, it. Baking spice kind of taste, Joe. Yes. Yeah, people think like big red. Yeah. yeah and it's not <laughs> that at all. <laughs> it's more that subtle kind of baking spice. And yep. Yeah, like you said, bready, toasty kind of. Very Cuban profiled, uh, with yeah. but but you know a lot of a lot of Cuban cigars to me at least I find pretty one dimensional and and that's yep. not necessarily a bad thing if you really love that dimension a lot. Sure, right. Uh, which I find some that I do, which like you know I don't need transition, I don't need like I like this cigar and I'm going to keep smoking it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, and, and, and I think maybe, maybe it's because I don't smoke near the Cubans that I used to, cause I, I've become, um, uh, maybe more in touch with my own palate and what I like now. And has, as that's changed over the years, I, don't, I just don't smoke a ton of Cuban stuff. Part of it too, is that I'm so, um, spoiled with the stuff that I get from the farm. Yeah. Um, the cigars that you get from the farm, from Hirochi's farm are just it's just another, it's a whole different level. I mean, it's like, mm. it's what, you know, when you hear people talk about Cuban cigars that aren't just the douchebags that say, Oh, I only smoke Cuban cigars, but the guys mm -hmm. that are real cigar guys that enjoy a Cuban cigar here and there, the, you know, the, the constant complaints are construction sucks. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. very inconsistent and that, that hasn't changed, but that's, doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't happen on the farm. Uh, the farm's construction is incredible. Um, yeah. The tobacco's young. That doesn't happen on the farm. All that tobacco has age on it. Uh -huh. um, and that the the cigars, a lot of times, are pretty kind of one-dimensional. Mm -hmm. And on the farm, despite the fact that all the, all, all, all the tobacco in those cigars is from that, you know, 30 hectares or whatever it is he has um, down there, the cigars are not one dimensional. It's, mm. it's so interesting to have something made all from that little plot of land and yeah. to create something that just blows your mind and it transitions and it's got all this complexity. It's just a really cool cigar. So I don't smoke a ton of Cuban stuff. And when I do, I, uh, I'll, I'll see where, where the cigars were manufactured, what factory they're out of. And um, if I find some stuff I like, I'll buy a lot of it. But mm -hmm. I, I, I rarely find anything that just kind of knocks my socks off out of Cuba. That's just big brand stuff. But, what do you enjoy? Which Cubans do you enjoy? If you don't mind sharing, um, it it really depends from trip to trip, man. I okay. can't really like. There's some hard, like ridiculous stuff to find, like poor lot La, La um, uh, Asia. Pacific Exclusivo that's like in a torpedo format or a bellicoso format. It's incredible cigar, incredible cigar, but it's like it was made years ago and um, it's one of my favorites all time out of there. But um, I smoked Romeo and Julieta, uh, Wide Churchill uh, last time I was there and got um, several boxes of that because it was mm -hmm. smoking really good and it was, I forget which factory it was out of on this particular trip, but what I do is I'll go into there's a couple of stores that are kind of off the beaten path that are that are you know Cuban run stores in Havana, and we'll go there and they're kind of honey holes to like search through and see what they got and um, you know some people are always trying to find like the old stuff for me I, I just want to see what's smoking really good right now and I'll buy some of that but I, I I try to bring back as much of the farm roll stuff as they'll let me and yeah, I, uh, I smoke a lot of that. I picked up a box of uh, in, in Vega Robinas mm -hmm. uh, from 2003. Yeah, um, so oh, I, I, awesome. those are probably aged really well. Yeah, I, I picked up a box of those because my daughter's turning 18 next year, and oh, I talked wow. about this before on the show, but she wanted to smoke a cigar on her 18th birthday, so I was able to track down a full box of Vega Robinas that were um, the box dated, but like June of 2000. Which means they were probably rolled around April of 2003. You opened so I really box. wanted to find something around that same time that she was born. 
that she can smoke. So she'll smoke an 18 year old Cuban on yeah. her 18th birthday with all the guys here in the lounge. That's awesome. And it'll be a Robinia. You, you, you opened them up. I op I opened up the box. I have yeah. not smoked a single one. No, but, but I opened you, up the you box. can see the construction. They aren't. They're not brittle. They're not. So no, whoever had them kept them in great shape. That's awesome. That's awesome. Those they're, ought to be. They're, they're absolutely beautiful. It's, yeah, it's a reputable guy that buys the uh, you know buys the the collections and the old historic stuff from people. And uh, man, they, they when I opened up that box, it was absolutely gorgeous. The box is actually in great condition. You can see the age on the box, which is yeah. you know one of the things you really want to look for. Sure. Sure. Um. And I'm super excited. A bunch of the guys bought a few of them, and they're all coming over to smoke them with her on her 18th birthday. So, pretty cool, man. Yeah, yeah, and, and they're, they happen to be Vega Robinias. I mean, that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's. I mean, I think one of the and I, I you know, most of the people that'll be watching this will probably uh, already be aware. But if you're getting Cuban cigars, especially if you're getting Cuban cigars in anywhere, any area that has a significant amount of tourists. Um, try to find a Casa del Habano first and foremost, a licensed, authorized Habano stealer yep. first and foremost. But even yep. then, even then, buy, don't buy Cohiba, don't buy Partagas, right. don't buy Romeos, buy Por Laranagas, buy Vegas Robinas, buy, buy, buy you know, the kind of off the beaten path sort of stuff because it's less likely to be counterfeited. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's a very important thing, and it's funny you were talking about the farmies earlier, like you know the 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 cigars you get from the farms, and those really remind me they're they're kind of like if you're looking for a, a boutique uh, cigar that's Cuban, yeah, the farms are really the place to get like what today we know as boutique cigars here. They're just so hard to find, though. They're yeah. just they're so hard to find. But hey, to send, send, me a, send me a message when we're done here. By the way. Cause I got, I got, I got my hands on a whole bunch right now. So, uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. I'll send you some. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, they're really, really good. These are the darks. These are the really like hard, hard ones to find. They're like they're dark and they're they're totally different. Dark and, and oily. And... Yeah, man, they're just totally different. Like most of the most of the farm rolls are that very typical, you know blonde beautiful oily uh robina leaf this is this is stuff that they've taken the higher priming stuff that they've done some additional fermentation on and created kind of a maduro and um they've been doing it for a while but it's a it's a totally different twist on what they've done before it's definitely stronger the strongest cuban cigar i've ever smoked for sure oh man now i'm looking forward to it properly fermented strong you know like, yeah there's some Brandon's all excited. <laughs> Brandon's yeah, like a kid on Christmas morning now. Give it to some, me. Give it to me. Dude, I can't stand up for five minutes now. Yeah, some humans <laughs> that are like strong, and they're strong because they're you know tobacco's not not yeah bite. And some American palates like that bite. You know, there's brands out there that exist now that that um sell a whole lot more cigars than I sell, but their their fermentation processes are not anything that we would do. You know, just because right. they've got their own kind of signature flavors and I'm not knocking them. I'm not sure. the judge and jury on on what is the correct way to do it. And I obviously I'm a gringo that was, you know, raised by an oil man. So I'm not I'm not some guy that grew up in fields of tobacco and can make any sort of like judgment on what other people do. But the way we do it, 
um, is very specific in, in terms of the temperature utilized in fermentation, the time utilized in fermentation, uh, the, the addition of water in that process is limited greatly in the way we do it. Hmm. And um, so I'm not trying to knock other people's processes, but no. uh, there is there are cigars that exist in the marketplace that Americans love to death that if my factory guy or if Hirochi smoked would go like, what? <laughs> but it's, you know, but at the same time, if, if Hirochi comes to the United States and I get him spaghetti, that's too spicy, you know, he's like flipping out about it. I'm like, spaghetti's not spicy in the first place. Like you can't get, right. I mean, you, you can dump a whole thing of red pepper on it. Maybe it'd be spicy, but it's not spicy, but right. you know, um, mm -hmm. everybody's got their own palates. That's the beauty of the cigar industry. Oh, absolutely. So tell me a little bit about Hirochi real quick. I mean, just the, the quick synopsis of his history, the story, um, you know, the, the land you touched on it earlier. Yeah. Um, you know, he's an interesting character. I get to spend some time with him. Really cool dude. And, um, he actually, I remember he, you, you had him sign, um, one of the boxes of the A's that he gave me, mm -hmm. um, or that you guys gave me during one of the shows. And, um, Really cool, interesting character. So tell me the story about him real quick. So Hirochi grew up uh, for the early part of his life in Havana with his father and his mom. And then at some point in his teenage years, um, there was something in him that Alejandro recognized as um, somebody he wanted to take over kind of the throne. And, and for those that don't know, Alejandro Robina is known by almost everybody in the cigar industry as the godfather of tobacco. Um, the family's been growing tobacco on the same farm since 1845. He was the third generation, and Hirochi's now the fifth generation wow. of, uh, yeah. of Robina's growing tobacco in Cuba. And Hirochi, uh, I, I, I uh, would recommend anybody that's got a spare 24 minutes and uh, Amazon Prime membership, which... Now, in the days of COVID, if you don't have an Amazon Prime membership, then I'm not sure why their stock price is where it is. Um, but if you have an Amazon Prime membership, the, the video is free. It's only 24 minutes long. It's called The Prince of Smoke. And the guy that directed it um, was uh, – the guy that produced it was the director of uh, Hero Dreams of Sushi, which is a really cool documentary on Netflix. He also mm -hmm. was the uh, – He's the guy behind Chef's Table, uh, which is an incredible documentary series on Netflix. Hmm. Um, and the music and everything, the direction of the film is really well done. It won a bunch of awards. But again, it's only 24 minutes. So it'll, yeah. you know, you're smoking a cigar, you got 24 minutes to watch something. Watch yeah. that. It'll give you a really good kind of uh, view as to what his day to day life is on the farm during a harvest. Uh, which is kind of cool if you've never seen that before. Yeah, um, to be able to see that is is neat, and especially to have it happening on such a historic piece of ground um, in terms of the tobacco world, where so much has so much was started, and so many lines and and lineage therefrom. It's, it's pretty incredible the relationship yeah. that Obama's had with the Placencias, with the Padrones, with you know, so many families that, that left Cuba during the revolution 
that started in Nicaragua or, you know, even some guys in, in Dominican that mm-hmm. had relationships with the Robinas and the Robinas were, are kind of like the last men standing in Cuba, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of, you know, property ownership and having their own kind of brand, despite the fact that the Cubans own the Robina name, um, right. for the sake of Cuban cigars, we were able to create a project and something Rochi has, um, you know, some ownership of, he owns the marks and all that sort of stuff. But he's, um, you know, him really well, Brandon, he's a sweetheart of a guy. He's, um, he's a very yeah. humble guy. He's, um, he's just, he's from, he's from a great family. He's a, he's a great dad. He's, he mm. loves tobacco. I mean, he, he just absolutely loves tobacco He's gotten more and more interested in Nicaraguan tobacco as we've been doing these projects mm-hmm. and, uh, and become more and more of a expert in that world because it really is a drastic difference. I mean, a drastic difference when it comes to blending tobacco, there's a lot of learning that has to be done when you're transitioning probably from anywhere. My experience is really from watching him from Cuba and, yeah. and you know, kind of the difficulties uh, or challenges, let's say, in blending Nicaraguan tobacco because it is so different. But he's gotten more and more. I mean, Brandon's seen him. He he smokes those uh, those Coronas. Like we yeah, fight over. Them. We all fight over yeah. them. Like, <laughs> I'll bring twenty boxes to the trade show, and by by like day three, they're all gone. Every time. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm trying to steal one of them. <laughs> he's he's a really he's a really good guy. We bring him into the states some. It's you know it's sometimes more challenging than others. He's not terribly liked um, by the Cuban government because of the fact that he is doing some things, you know, kind of outside their control. Mm-hmm. And the Cubans made a kind of made a mistake by elevating the Robina name and and. Uh, and elevating, you know, Alejandro and Hirochi and Hirochi's father, Carlito, they had them traveling the world as ambassadors for Habanos. So they have relationships with cigar people across the globe. And, mm-hmm. um, and so when we launched our project, we had people from all over the, the world contacting us, wanting to distribute the cigars or get the cigars for their retail stores and we made a decision early on to not try to go into markets and compete with Habanos because we knew it might make the situation more precarious for Hirochi and Cuba. Um, Cause there's times when we can't get him out of the country. You know, there's times where he's, mm-hmm. he just can't get out, you know, like wow. no explanation. No, he's just sitting in a room when he's supposed to be on a flight and they hold him up and he misses a flight. And then sometimes we've been able to get him on the next flight. Other times we haven't. Um, so it's kind of, it's, it's been for the most part pretty easy, but on a, on a couple of different occasions, there's a, a good friend of mine up in, in Portland named Jason Lee, who's got Broadway cigars and Jason, you know, planned on doing a really big event with Hirochi, spent a bunch of money with us and, Luckily, Jason and I are close, and he's a good dude. Orochi couldn't get in the country, you know. The mm, day, wow. and, and I'm flying him in the day before the event, and he's flying from Cuba all the way to Portland. 
Oh. And we find out I'm with my rep and we find out the night before that um, he's he, he couldn't get he couldn't make the flight. They wouldn't let him on. And uh, but Jason was cool enough and, you know, just ended up he's got a great following for our cigars. So he was able to we did the event anyway and had a really successful event. And he was he was awesome about it. But, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a totally different ball game dealing with it down there. I've been followed by people. Um, hmm. It's just wild. They want to make sure I'm not like hand delivering cash. And so my yeah. bag, my bag on like three different trips in a row was the last bag off the turnstile in Cuba. Wow. And one of those times, it was a three-hour wait to get our bags. Three-hour oh, wait. With no air conditioning. It was terrible. Oh, man. Terrible. And the worst part is when wow. you're looking at all the locals, and the locals are like, and you're two hours in, and they're not they're not stressing at all, and you're like, oh, this isn't good. Like, we're going to be a while. If they're not stressing yet, like if they're not like, hey, this is weird. Like, why aren't bags here? No, they're all just kind of sitting there. Going, right. And Cuba, if the, if you're listening, Cuba, you need to have um, like a, a guy with a guitar, maybe like one of those steel drum things, and like <laughs> yeah. playing. And like, I'm not asking you to put a lay over our neck, but like, serve me a. While I'm waiting for my bags, make me feel like I'm on vacation. Make me feel like I'm somewhere tropical and amazing. That Cuba is right. No, yeah, you, you yeah feel some like sort of entertainment. Yeah, you feel like you're in a really, really hot, moist Russia. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like it's terrible. You get off the plane and you're not really excited to be in Cuba. You're just like, oh, I came uh, here. All right, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm here and now I just sit and wait and hope I get my bag. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think people have an expectation of Cuba that isn't realistic. No, it, it's 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 everybody that I've ever brought has walked away from it and, and incredibly um, happy that they went, but definitely yeah. uh, definitely more aware of how the reality is down there. I mean, we went we brought when we brought the Fox Group down there, um, we brought twenty five guys. So it was a big trip, mm. you know, mm. trying to, it was like herding cats. Yeah. Um, bunch of great guys, but there was a shortage of chicken when we got there. And every restaurant we went to had plenty of chicken. Just the, the people didn't have any chicken. I've been down there before where I couldn't get water. We couldn't wow. get a bottle of water. Wow. Out of bottle of water. I mean, it's just bananas. Hirochi packed an entire bag of stuff from Costco. And I want to say probably three quarters of the bag was bread right before he went wow. back. Yeah. From Arizona, the Costco <laughs> over there, we went to the largest Harley, Harley uh, Davidson dealership in the world or whatever. It's in Phoenix somewhere outside of Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, that was pretty funny taking Hirochi there, but I was there when Hirochi <laughs> came for the first time to Las Vegas. That was kind of a trip. You know, he's a world traveler. He's traveled a bunch. He's not the average Cuban farmer in terms of like what, what he's yeah. seen in the world. Cause mm -hmm. he's seen a ton. Um, but, uh, when you haven't seen a lot of America and the only America you've seen is like Hialeah, uh, you know, that's kind of Cuba by the way. Um, but when he went to Vegas, it was like, I mean, it was just funny watching him, like, just, I mean, constantly, like, looking around, like, 
<laughs> what, where have you taken me? Eye opening. Like, what is this strange <laughs> place I'm in? Yeah, it's strange for us, you know, as Americans, but it's really strange for, um, you know, Cuban farm boy. But I really, uh, I think yeah. watching that, that Prince of Smoke movie gives you a pretty good idea of who he is, how charming he is, how likable he is, how he treats his workers, how many families are supported by the work that they do down there on the farm. And those people are blessed to, uh, to have that relationship with him and that family. Because they, they have a better life than most people do down there. Yeah. And he takes really good care of his people. That's, That's good. great. That's awesome. Yeah, he's yeah. a good dude. It's, it's cool that that you that he's in a, a literally a completely different world and an environment and, and how all that goes and still able to, when he's allowed to, I mean, let's put it the way it is, when he's allowed to leave and not held back, you know, to go out and to go and, and do those things. Um, because it, it's got to be fun for him, but you know, having the network that's been built over the generations and being able to leverage that in positive ways for the brand, you know, and, and do it strategically, uh, it's it's got to be interesting, sort of, you know, being inside his head as to how to approach that and and what goes into being able to strategically go through all those, you know, those avenues. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a um, there's a resilience. You know, I, I hate speaking about kind of groups as a whole and, and like the broad stroke of the brush sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but they're a resilient bunch, man. They figure out how to get things done. If they're, you know, 56 yeah. Chevy breaks down, all of a sudden there's a Russian motor and, you know, they, they, yep. they figure out ways to put things together and get things done. They don't have excuses. They, they just... They're a hustling bunch of people. Um, They're resourceful. Hiroshi, yeah, they are. And and Hiroshi's absolutely that way. Like, really interesting story in terms of today's crop um, in Cuba, this year's crop in Cuba, is that Hiroshi was here in the United States when he got wind um, over the news here about a potential fuel shortage in Cuba because of mm. the stuff that, you know, was going on in Venezuela with Maduro and all that. And he was able to, to here prior to it being available in Cuba, make a phone call and they took every canister that they had and filled it with diesel. They went out and bought wow. more and more like, you know, those, those big uh, blue, did you see in third world countries everywhere the big blue uh, big drums drums yeah and filled it with diesel fuel he was able to irrigate his entire crop the whole season because of their ability to get fuel prior to the shortage because wow. he was here two days got the information two days before it was available in Cuba and there's wow. other people that had to figure out other ways to to do it so such a cool story and, and background and, and just knowing all that, because it's this is the kind of information that that our, our viewers and our listeners love to learn about, because, I mean, we've said it before in previous episodes, people that pay attention and, and watch and listen to you know our show, 
are cigar nerds. They love learning the intricacies right. and, and the backgrounds and, oh, is that really how it's done? And and it's cool that that you've been able to come in on this episode and, and shed some light on that from the Cuba side and from what, you know, Robina has done and how it's, you know, transformed and, you know, La Familia Robina and, you know, how you guys separated and came back together. And it's just a really cool story. So, I, I mean, I appreciate you coming on being on this episode and and spending your time with us and sharing all that information because it's it's eye-opening but it's also really educational it's really fun for people that that want to know more of those details so uh you know as we we start to wrap up you know this episode i want to thank you for taking your time spence yep. and being here with us and uh just being able to shed some light and some some knowledge and and pass on information and and you did it in a way where you know you're talking about different brands you're talking about sereno you're talking about this one you're talking yeah. about that one knowing that it's it's the whole community and that's what down to the nubs about is we are we're, we're we're a community of cigar enthusiasts that are there to uh enjoy cigars together and know that it's it's not about us versus them it's about us collectively in the industry so you know as we wrap this up thank you so much for the time and for your time we know it's valuable sure. and for for being able to to come on here and and just sort of share your story no, and I and I, I appreciate that that kind of viewpoint in terms of the kind of collective family that we are in the world of cigars, and um, we need to do a better job and have more guys like you that 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 recognize that and that uh, kind of strive to make that make it more of a community. Make mm-hmm. we need to all be in this together. We're we're in a fight yep. right now that that yep. requires. Um, you know, us all kind of pointed in the same direction and we need to do a better job of that. And whether that's some sort of body that exists that hasn't, you know, really put it together yet or whatever, we, we need to do a better job collectively of, of, uh, you know, heading the same direction and fighting, uh, for each other, just because I don't make infused or flavored cigars doesn't mean that I'm, I'm not, completely opposed to them being regulated just like the rest of our stuff. Um, right. We need to stop. We need to stop um, separating ourselves and, and, and realize that this is all about freedom. Yep. And, yep. and whether it's, whether it's cigars, whether it's marijuana, whether it's whatever it is, we need to be all kind of, and especially with the marijuana movement being as successful as it's been, and as much as is is for whatever reason, politicians are almost afraid at this point to speak negatively of it because right. there is this there is this kind of tidal wave of support for it. Yeah, we all should be in support of adults being able to make their own decisions, and yeah. it's not anybody else's business. You're an adult, and and there's you know cities out there you can't smoke in the middle of the damn road. It's just it's crazy what we're going through right now, and how much under fire this particular leaf is and yeah. uh yeah. it was kind of cool seeing like them using tobacco and potential vaccines for covid and yeah there, there's a lot to this leaf um that is super beneficial um that we've all Correct. experienced that's that's all kind of experiential stuff you know we've met a lot of really good friends more than likely more than likely the majority of your friends are cigar smokers right it's just the way it is when you get into yeah. this uh, there's there's so few outside of my son's baseball, which is a big deal for us. Um, those I've got friends that are like you know his friends' parents. Outside of that, everybody smokes cigars. It's all people yeah. from the cigar community. It's retailers, consumers, other manufacturers, yep. and 
I got into, you know, at this point really kind of dived into 16 years ago, um, I wouldn't have so many relationships that I'm incredibly blessed to have. Um, my life would be totally different. And this, this tobacco is, is, um, has been something that's, that's brought a lot of, uh, a lot of joy and a lot of, uh, a lot of friendships into the fold. So, um, I hope those that are kind of just delving into this, um, stick with it and, and keep kind of exercising your palate and trying new things and talking about it and engaging and watching podcasts and, yep. um, dive more into it because it's something that, um, it's not a vice. It's a, uh, it's a hobby and yep. it's something that we, we, uh, that kind of, it's, it's, it's something that brings us all together. So I, I've, yep. uh, I'm lucky to be a part of it and, and uh, glad, glad I made the decision a long time ago to do what I'm doing. So. Well, we're lucky to have you a part of it. I know that you guys oh, have been You no, I mean, I mean it, dude. Like you look yeah. back at your your look back at your Instagram. Even I mean, you're posting other brands and doing all the things to keep yeah. the community together. And so we're lucky to have a guy like you a part of it that has that mindset of bringing everybody together. And really, that's you know that's why you know we really wanted to make sure that you were one of our first guests on here in our in our first episodes because. You know, you've always spoke to me about that. I've always seen your actions towards that. And that's what we're about here is just bringing the community together. And and we appreciate you for that. So thank you very much for the efforts you're putting in, supporting other brands, you know, not just being all about, you know, what you represent, but sure. being about everybody in the greater community. Yep. It's a great community. There's a lot of great families. There's a lot of history. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of talent. There's a whole yeah. lot of talent, you know. Yeah, and yep. it's and it's the best time in the world to be a cigar smoker. I mean, in in history, there's no no time better than right now. There's more good brands out there. It's it. I mean, you go into a humidor and you can almost yeah. walk in there with a blindfold on, and the majority of the time, you're going to pull out something that's an enjoyable cigar. Yep, um, yep. And that's just kind of the way it is. Yeah. Well, thank you, Spence. I appreciate your time and taking time away from your family for being here. And oh no, that's. Uh, I'm trying to get away from the family. <laughs> <laughs> you have an amazing family, man. You know, the you do. cool. The daughter's cool. The rest of them. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for your time, Spence, and for coming on. And sure. uh, we'll be talking to you soon. For sure. Thanks, fellas. All thank right. You, take brother. care. All right. I love the rich history. I love the knowledge, the education and the perspective that it brings. It's just, yeah. It, it, it's refreshing to know that 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 history and that knowledge isn't being lost and it's just being yeah. carried on as the industry continues forward. Yeah, and there's so much history there. There's so much camaraderie. I mean, you hear it even from the history, the people getting together, um, you know, and, and getting to know each other, the families, the growth, the connections. Um, you know, it's the, the whole thing just all comes together into one big community. And that's that's amazing. That's great to hear that story from such a historic family and from so yeah. long ago uh you you just don't get any more history than that yep it's cool well and and that wraps up episode 10 we have got double digit episodes in the books and uh, i mean we i'm did. excited for the future we did it we've we've we're, we're two hands we're two hands now i have to start using my toes i know right <laughs> time to take off the <laughs> shoes and socks
That's right. <laughs> well, for everybody that uh, has listened and watched uh, this far into the episode, thank you so much. Thank you for supporting Down to the Nub. You can find us on social media. Everything is at Down to the Nub, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, and then we've got our Patreon. If you would like to support the show, patreon.com slash Down to the Nub. Thank you so much for what you help contribute to the cigar community. And we hope that we can continue uh, educating and having fun with all of you in the future. Thank you, guys. We appreciate you. We love you for your time and uh, spending that time here with us. It means a lot to us. I say it on every episode, yep. and it's true. It means a lot to us that you're willing to spend your time here, you know, an hour to an hour and a half of your day to listen to us and, uh, you know, allow us to share uh, the stories and the community that's out there and more so for you guys being a part of that community. And thank you to all of our Patreon supporters now uh, that, are, that are supporting this and allowing us to continue to stay on air and can do and produce content yep. uh, we appreciate all of you guys uh for being there for us as well yes thank you so much that's gonna do it for this episode uh and yeah i'm cigar show tim and until next time we'll see you see you guys all right bye